Welcome to Speech Digest. Today is May 7th, 2021. I'm Chris Campbell. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the world of international law and dispute resolution. Before we get into it this week, first, if you're not already, go follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn and share it with a friend or colleague. We begin this week with the news. And this week, we begin in the United States of America as a U.S. court holds that service providing actual notice of an arbitration-related court proceeding is sufficient under the Federal Arbitration Act. The underlying case is titled TVL International LLC v. Zhejiang Shengshui Lighting Company. In 2014, plaintiff TVL executed a non-disclosure agreement relating to their efforts to develop a new type of light bulb with a subsidiary to Zhejiang. By 2015, the parties had suspended their joint activity. TVL alleged that Zhejiang violated the NDA and violated state and federal trade secret laws. Pursuant to the arbitration provisions in the NDA, TVL submitted these claims to the American Arbitration Association in North Carolina. Four years later, in 2019, an arbitration panel awarded TVL some $3 million in compensatory and punitive damages, interest, and fees. Shortly thereafter, TVL filed a petition to confirm the arbitration award in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of North Carolina. TVL served the petition and summons via email and FedEx on defendants' outside counsel and the subsidiary's registered agent. Defendants responded by moving to dismiss the petition, claiming that mail and email service were insufficient service of process under the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure and the Federal Arbitration Act, the FAA. Defendants contended that TVL was required to serve the subsidiary by marshal pursuant to the FAA's rules for service on non-residents of the district where the action was filed, and to serve the parent in accordance with the Hague Convention. In turn, TVL argued that service was proper because defendants expressly consented to service by mail and email by incorporating AAA's commercial arbitration rules in the NDA, and then by consenting to those rules before the arbitral tribunal. Indeed, the relevant rules state that service under the party's representatives by mail or email in connection with any court action for the entry of judgment on any award made shall be valid. Finally, TVL said that even if all of those arguments failed, the defendants had, quote, actual notice, end quote, which was satisfied the requirements of the Federal Arbitration Act. The federal magistrate agreed with TVL's argument and denied defendants' motion, finding actual notice was sufficient. In this case, justice was quite literally served. Then we head across to the African continent where there is important diplomatic news as Somalia is restoring its ties with Kenya after nearly six months. Somalia says that ties cut after the dispute will resume on the basis of non-interference in each other's affairs. Somalia had said that it is restoring diplomatic ties with its neighboring Kenya after its severed relations back in December, accusing Nairobi of meddling in its affairs. Relations between the countries had been tense over the ownership of a potential oil and gas deposit, some of which lies over the coast of Jubaland, one of Somalia's five semi-automatic states. Indeed, the climax in the disruption of normalized relations came after a feud related to disputed territories between the two nations. Among other disputes, the pair have also engaged in a long-running territorial dispute over a stretch of ocean in the Indian Ocean, claimed by both nations and believed to hold valuable natural resources. The two even dueled out their disagreement in an arbitration which is still ongoing before the World Court, which is set to adjudicate the maritime boundary disputes. The normalization and realization of 
typical diplomatic processes is a positive sign even as the parties remain locked in the arbitration. Then we zoom out for a wider industry look as Singapore takes the top arbitration slot along with London for the very first time. This denotes a marked ascension for the city-state as an increasingly popular dispute resolution hub for India and China. Both locations were jointly ranked as the preferred places for bringing disputes in an annual study of over 1,200 lawyers and arbitrators from nearly 40 countries. In research conducted by Queen Mary University of London and law firm White & Case, London and Singapore were chosen by 54% of respondents who were asked to select their five preferred arbitration centers. It was the first time that an Asian city had taken first place. Singapore's popularity has been helped by the Singaporean government, which has heavily promoted the city-state as a destination for dispute resolution. The Singapore International Arbitration Center, SEAC, reported last month that the numbers for new case filings had more than doubled to 1,080 from the previous year. Parties filing cases hailed from over 60 jurisdictions and total value were close to 8.5 billion USD. On the other hand, the London Court of International Arbitration said that it had 444 referrals in 2020, a 10% increase compared with 2019, signaling Britain's withdrawal from the EU has not, in fact, dented the seat's popularity. Some estimate this is because the withdrawal had no effect on the enforceability of issued awards. One final note, the same Queen Mary study showed that Paris had fallen in popularity with just 35% of arbitration users selecting it as a preferred location compared with 53% in 2018. Finally, for the news this week, one more piece of broad industry news as arbitration as a whole is still seen as the best process for resolving international disputes, even in times of pandemic. The Queen Mary University study, the one cited from the previous story, reveals. Indeed, arbitration seems to be favored and some 90% of respondents say that international arbitration was the favorite option regardless of whether it was offered alone or in tandem with mediation or other ADR mechanisms. The report also suggests that there is some progress in the realm of diversity. The report indicates that over half of its respondents agree that progress has been made in terms of gender diversity on arbitral tribunals over the past three years. However, less than a third of respondents believe that there has been progress in respect of geographic, age, cultural, and particularly ethnic diversity. The report is available in full from Queen Mary School of International Arbitration. Next, opportunities. And okay, y'all know the drill by now. Here are some opportunities posted within the last week of international arbitration on LinkedIn. First, global pharmaceutical company Sanofi is seeking a legal operation lead for its Tokyo offices. Then there's international firm Pinsent Masons, which is hiring a construction disputes lawyer with five to six years of experience for its London office. Then the London-based company Law Business Research is seeking a news reporter to work with Global Arbitration Review, aka GAR. Finally for this week, California-based firm Grelia Shah LLP is seeking a litigation associate to join its Cupertino, California-based offices. Last up, we get to events. First up in the world of events this week, we have a fun and new addition to the Clubhouse space as Arb Tech hosts a conversation with Michael, Mike McElrath, on the topic of the in-house perspective of the future of dispute resolution. The conversation will also feature perspectives from Sophie Knappert, who was on the show in Season 2 of Tales of the Tribunal, Eric Chang, Paul Cohen, and Elizabeth Everson. The event will be hosted on Wednesday, May 26th at 6 p.m. Central European Time. Search for Arb Tech on Clubhouse for a conversation you won't want to miss. 
Then, the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators hosts an accelerated route to fellowship course starting in just one week. The course is tailor-made for those that want to substantiate and bolster their international arbitration medal and attain one of the most coveted certifications in the field, Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators, FCIR. More information is available on the Chartered Institute website. Then, next week, as part of the London International Disputes Week, an event titled The Evolving Role of the Digital Advocate. The organizers write, has the art of persuasion changed for good? Expert advocates and those who the advocates appear before will look at whether we now need to adhere to new approaches and standards when conducting advocacy online and the changes that have occurred since this became the norm rather than the exception. The session will cover the do's and don'ts for the effective digital advocate in conducting oral advocacy, cross-examination, and re-examination, and the cultural and ethical contrast in international disputes. This event is scheduled for May 10th, and there is still time to register. Finally, before we end for this week, the South Carolina School of Law family has lost one of its most senior and respected members with the passing of Professor Howard Stravitz. I had the pleasure of knowing Howard for some nine years. He was my civil procedure professor and had a very special way of making students feel at ease during the chaos of 1L year. He was a great man, a great educator, and a brilliant jurist. He will be missed. Our thoughts are with his family and loved ones. That's all for this week. Don't forget to check out this week's episode of Tales of the Tribunal as we had special guest, the Arbitration Station. It's a fun and action-packed interview that you won't want to miss. Follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn and drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail if you have any comments or feedback. Until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.